Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best fracking free G you can be. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram or Twitter or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And support the show and access our after shows and live streams at patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod. Hey, sluts. <laughs> hey. Hey. Hello. Nice to have you back, Luke. Yes. I was so sick last week. I can't yeah. believe it. How are your little tonsils? I found this great YouTube tutorial and I mm. sliced them out the... No, it was like the most... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. It was the dumbest thing because for like two weeks I'd been seeing my doctor and he was like, you need to slow the fuck down. You need yeah. to slow down. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then I woke up one morning and I was drenched. I was like soaking in a pile of sweat. Mm. Um, I was like bedridden for two days. So I missed last week. So Mm. you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We decided it was uh, Kyle's birthday present. (laughs) (laughs) It was a present to everyone that listens. But I'm back, back, back in the house. Yeah. Frack, fracking about. I just love that yeah. so much. I can't, I, you know, I'm, I, I love the meme enough. where it's like RuPaul's outfits and then just like a big oil rig. In the has cracking powers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what have we got on so this good. week? We got a, we got a guest. We got some stuff happening. Yes. Yes. Mm. We have quite an amazing guest. Adam Bant, leader of the uh, Greens uh, here in Ooh. Australia, um, is going to be joining us for a chat, which is incredibly exciting. exciting. And to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous because I'm a huge fan. Same. <laughs> <laughs> we also had um, a really good live chat on Sunday yes. with some of our patrons, which was really fun. Yeah, that uh, was really fun. Was so One of the things that we talked about, actually, which I wanted to bring up on the on the main episode, because mm-hmm. it was a really interesting question that someone asked in our little um, Patreon live chat last Sunday, is about the coronavirus, or the proposed coronavirus tracking app. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are across this, and for our listeners, perhaps, that haven't been following it on the news or, or overseas, mm. the Australian government wants to introduce an app, and basically what it'll do is it will register if your every phone that you've been with 1.5 meters of for more than 15 minutes so if you see next to someone on a train or at a theater or whatever and the idea is that then if someone tests positive uh for coronavirus they can go back and alert everyone that's shared a space with everyone since then well it said health services will alert you 
they will get in touch with you as well. Yeah. Oh, saying. right. So they'll contact you outside of the app, will they? Yeah. It's just yeah, a way yeah. of knowing, right. Yeah, yeah which, um, I don't know, how do you guys feel about it? Uh, I don't know. Like, I was reading up about it, and the way that they want it to work is through Bluetooth. But, mm. like, Bluetooth isn't set up to sort of, like, ping off of each other's phones constantly yeah. throughout the day. Mm. Like, you have to sort of activate it. So, like... I just don't know how it's going to actually work. Like, they're going to have to, like, turn around to Apple and, like, Google and be like, we need you to reformat Bluetooth for this particular mm. app to work. I mean, I mm. don't have a problem with with um, them doing that. I mean, I feel like Google and Apple have the money and the time and, and probably yeah. owe us a bit. So, <laughs> yeah, Apple, Apple worries, have really. I, my friends, which I think a lot of people use. I, I definitely mm. don't have these. Do you guys use that to like no. locate your friends and track their whereabouts um any crazy exes tracking you or- <laughs> no but I have, is that the same as when you share your location with someone through yeah but it's i think it's i think on apple you turn it on and then at all times yeah. you can see where like yeah so I, I ages ago a friend said to me oh share your location with me and i put it on permanent and never realized yeah. and so this friend like every now and then will message me being or <laughs> being message me being like oh you're enjoying your ice cream and i'm like how does he know I'm <laughs> okay. and then and then like after months I was like, hey, how do you always know where I am? He's like, you idiot. Like two years ago, you shared your location with me and I'm still getting it. I think the theory behind it and everything, like it makes sense, but there's enough conspiracy theory people out there thinking coronavirus is like caused by 5G towers. Now you want to Mm -hmm. tell them that the government wants to track them via their 5G phones. (laughs) Exactly. I don't think they need any more like fuel to their fires. Mm. I think good fucking luck to them. The only way this would work if you integrated this into Pokemon Go or Grinder, <laughs> yes, then then maybe you'd had a chance of getting me. But otherwise, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. no. You you you'll you'll think there's gonna be a queer queer person of color downloading a government app onto my fucking yeah. phone. <laughs> like you're 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 out of your mind. It ain't <laughs> it, it ain't happening, sis. One yeah. thing I was thinking about as well is that obviously, like they'll keep a record of who's sort of being in contact with who. If you've mm. registered on the app, mm. are they going to start turning around and sending people fines in the mail for like not just going to do essential things? Like, or if they don't deem what you're doing is essential, like if you're going yeah. exercising and you're not staying in your area, like are you going to get a fine for that? Like, or well, I like, think that the the idea, Mikey, is that this will sort of be introduced after this phase of lockdown. So this this okay, is yeah. where, for when we start relaxing the lockdown laws mm-hmm. and people do something yeah, yeah. again. They know that there is going to be flare ups, and the idea is that if there is a flare up, they'll be able to quickly contact everybody that's been yeah. exposed yeah. to. Mm. Didn't they say 40% of the population would have to use it for it to actually work? Or like, they're, they're, Well, yeah, that's what they said. But they also are saying that it's had pr- a similar app has had pretty good effects in Singapore with only 20% mm, right. of people. So that's interesting as well, that seeing yeah. that's been done already. Mike, you also raised a really good question. I mean, like people are saying, well, what happens if I see a drug dealer and that yeah. drug dealer gets arrested? Are they going to look through that drug dealer's phone and see who they've been in close contact with and that sort of thing? Uh, yeah. And we are getting assurances from the government. And of course, you'd want to see legislation and that sort of stuff before taking anything that they say for granted. But they they are saying that there will be assurances in there that legally mm. th- th- they will only be allowed to use this for the purpose that it's created for and that sort of stuff. And look, I believe that we are a fairly civilized country. I can't imagine yeah. that they would trick us into using this data for that sort of stuff. My, I, my concern... I, I wouldn't be so quick on that, you know. Like, mm. you, you look at the fine print with things that have come out with Facebook and and, mm. and data breaches mm. and hacking, etc. I know, mean, I think there's going to be so many legal minds looking at this. They're not going to be able to sneak anything in there with the intention no. of purposely trying to trick us into something. But my concern, and this is what I talked about on the live thing on Sunday, was that it's not what they, the government 
government's intending on doing with it is that our government is technically inept. They have not, yeah. they've shown mm-hmm. in the past that they have a very bad concept of what the internet is and how it works. The idea that this data is secure and will not be able to be accessed by anyone that might have evil intentions, mm. I, I'm not entirely trustworthy mm. of. I think they're outsourcing the development, but even then, it's like anyone who has tried to lodge a Centrelink payment in the last 10 years yeah. knows that the yeah. government and the internet are not best duties no. um, by oh, any yeah. means. The government and- totally would click a pop-up ad on yes. <laughs> and download that virus. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, remember Christopher Pine liking the, the gay porn on Twitter at three yeah. o'clock in the morning and oh, then oh, claiming yeah. that his account was hacked and oh, yeah. that someone Lies. hacked into his account to like sure, one Jan. gay porn tweet and then logged back out of it without changing his yeah. password. I do allegedly. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> allegedly. allegedly. But having said all that, I've actually changed my mind and I will download <laughs> if I weigh up the consequences, if 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 one of the consequences is that my data gets breached, that's pretty fucked up, and I want the government to do their best to stop that from happening. Mm. But if the other consequence is that I might perhaps might spread this disease and people might die, and all I had to do was download this app, I'll mm. feel even worse. So yeah. I think I do want to see the government being very transparent about how the app's going to work and what's going to happen with the data, and yeah, we need to hold them accountable for that. But at the end of the day, provided that they can they can give some assurances, I think I'll download it. Yeah. I'm staying in the fuck no category. <laughs> I think anyone that's part of a demographic that has been targeted, mm. uh, I I see it as something that is 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 not for me. I love it for everyone mm, yeah. else. And that's but a very fair call thing, Luke, and yeah. I think that's something we're going to see across the board. And the sad yeah. thing is it's going to mean that we're going to see more disparity in who's getting tested and who's getting treated, and we're going to see communities that are, again, more disadvantaged. And, and, and fair enough, the, the points you've just raised are completely fair enough, but it means we are going to have um, certain communities that are going to have less chance of tracing um, contact and that sort of stuff, which is mm. it would be, be another issue could, we need to address. It would be interesting if they could transfer the use of the app for like other kind of health benefits like STD checks and things like that. Like if you yeah. contracted mm. an STD, you could notify people. No, like, that's in the some same Gattaca way. shit. That's some, <laughs> that's some George Orwell shit, Kyle. You, y'all don't want... Your health information outside of a pandemic should be entirely Mm. in safe hands and not in the hands of the government, Mm. I think. Now, we've been given an amazing opportunity to speak with National Greens leader and federal MP for Melbourne, Adam Bant. Thanks so much for chatting with us today, Adam, especially in the middle of this crazy global pandemic. Thanks for having me on. Now, you're an incredibly popular politician in Melbourne. Um, You hold your seat by one of the largest margins in Australia. Why do you think the people of Melbourne tend to vote greener? I think there's a recognition amongst people in Melbourne that a lot of the big issues, like tackling climate change in particular, but also mm-hmm. some of the things we need to do to make Australia a more equal place aren't being taken up by the others. And mm-hmm. um, we've got a pretty diverse electorate in Melbourne. We've got more public housing, almost more public housing than anywhere else in the country, but also you know some pretty pockets of expensive real estate as well. And so I think that there's... Uh, and people living cheek by jowl... Um, from all walks of life, all parts of the country, all parts of the income background, um, all looking out for each other. I think there's a real sense, sort of an an ethic of care and respect and an understanding that Mm. you don't just do, you know, you don't just vote for whatever might be perceived as being in your own sort of immediate narrow self-interest. You have a look out for others as well. And I think that's something that has stood us in good stead. Well, what what do you think we need to do to sort of get that vibe going in other other areas in Australia? Mm. 
Well, I think it's I think it's something that a lot of people share across the country. And like, if you're in other countries, for example, you if 10% of the population votes for the Greens, then the Greens would get 10% of the seats in Parliament, and those mm. people would be mm. represented. And our voting system tends to hide that and mask it a bit. And so you end up with a two-party system that's mm-hmm. easily, very easily captured by big and powerful interests. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think that there's a sort of a bit of a yearning amongst a lot of people in the country to say, look, let's have the third voices holding them to account, offering different views in parliament. And you see it breaking through and you see independents getting elected in the country, for example, in regional and rural areas that, that are representative of something similar. I wouldn't go so far as to say Bob Catter's representative of that. No. <laughs> his own race up there in, uh, yeah, in, yeah. in northern Queensland. But um, I think that there's, at the last election, one in four people didn't vote for either Labor or Liberal. And I think that's growing. And um, I think the more that people see us, I think increasingly the more that people like us. And we certainly, it means, for example, that we've got nine senators. And I think it's just a matter of time before it grows. Now, to COVID, governments are jumping back into our lives like never before, but we've been warned it's just all temporary. Um, take the doubling of New Start. Are the governments going to be able to repeal it as easily as they have applied it? Well, I think they'll have a fight on their hands. I think legally mm-hmm. the answer to your question is probably yes, unless the government extends it just in a narrow technical legal sense. Some of these things might just self-expire in six months, and so the fight will be to get them extended. But I think politically and sort of just socially and in terms of general life, it's going to be much, much harder to just say, let's just go back to where we were before. Yeah. Because one, well, I mean, one of the things that this crisis has shown is that there are a lot of people who are being left behind and were being left behind at the start of the crisis. And then when it kicked in and people were told that sort of normal life had to be suspended for a period of time, and you had to hope that you had some savings or hope that you were employed at the magic date so that you could get the um, mm. job keeper allowance. It turns out that there are a lot of people who were doing it tough or who didn't have a roof over their head. I mean, this call for self-isolation that's and stay at home, what if you don't have a home or a regular mm. home to stay in? And so I think it's exposed that sort of three decades of saying, look, everyone's got to fend for themselves. Um, mm. The government won't look after basic essential services anymore. You, you're on your own. Has has created a society where a lot of people aren't being looked after and then a crisis like this comes along and it shows that um, there are a lot of people who, are, who aren't being looked after. And so I think to answer your question, like to fast forward to when this supposedly temporary crisis is over, uh, there's, I think it's going to be very difficult to say, let's just go back to the way things were. And we'll certainly be saying no. Um, some of these things, like saying we're going to have free childcare or TAFE being essentially yeah. free, like these are all, all levels of new start that you can actually live on rather than being in poverty. These are things that we should now fight to keep. And I think the government's going to have a fight on it, Pam. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. I think there are a lot of people that are still slipping through um, with these policies that they've introduced as a response to COVID-19. But I also mm. think there's some irony in the fact that we're seeing some of the most socialist policies that Australia has ever seen coming absolutely. out under a Liberal government, which I um, was definitely not expecting to see when <laughs> Scott Morrison was elected. Uh, when we look at the response that the federal government have um, sort of come to with COVID-19, to what extent are we seeing them put people's health before the economy? 
Well, I think they had to be dragged to that position. But at the moment, that's broadly what they're doing. I think it goes against every instinct of theirs. And you can see them. And you can, you can already hear some big business voices saying, oh, look, let's start everything up again and ease the restrictions. And look, you know, I'm, it's, it's tough to live through the restrictions. It's especially tough if, you know, for people who are living alone, like it's tough to live through the restrictions. Yeah. For people who, you know, there's this idea of family all living under the one roof. But, you know, in large parts of the community, people's got a more extended idea of family or people that are, that are looked after. And like being stuck at home isn't necessarily that great. So I'm not advocating that, we should continue on these restrictions by by any means. But the government's been forced to put health before profit. Uh, and I think if you look at the US, for example, where Donald Trump's trying to get them to do exactly the opposite, like I'm yeah. kind of glad that we're in Australia at the moment. Australia and New Zealand have been doing well at putting health before profit. What worries me is that the big business voices are getting louder saying lift the restrictions. And as I said, I'm no big fan of the of living in isolation. But I think that we should not lift these restrictions unless the public health experts are telling us that it's safe to do so. And I can hear the government already. Already they're out there saying, oh, look, we're going to need a program of aggressive deregulation, they've been saying recently on the other side of this. And you can see them itching to wind back all the things they've done and to cut and cut and cut and to start putting profit ahead of health again. But I think it's testament to people saying, yeah, I will put myself through this and, and abide by the restrictions, even at cost to me. Because everyone, I think the general population has said, we want to put health before profit and we'll have very little truck with a government that won't do it. So short mm. answer, yeah, that's broadly what the government has done, but mm. I think they've been dragged to it. They'd be itching to go the other way and we just can't let them. Mm. It's, I just have to say as a side note, Adam, it's really refreshing to hear you talk about, you know, people that aren't living in the same, you know, nuclear family setting as as, as perhaps the majority of Australians are. A lot yeah. of the conversations that we're seeing from from federal and state leaders seem to be based around the assumption that everyone has a family or, or a, a home setting like they do. Um, last week, we, we chatted with Sally Goldner, who's a wonderful trans rights activist. She was just saying that for the trans community, I think it's actually true for the whole LGBTI community. A lot of us have gone out and found communities in physical spaces like our our gay bookshops and our bars and that sort of things. And so one of the, the huge pressures um, for the LGBTI community is not being able to access those spaces at the moment. And, and whilst we all understand that that's something we need to do, that's an added pressure. So it's nice to hear mm. you acknowledging that. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's that, there's the, you know, people who sort of the intentional communities, intentional families, people who... Um, sort of outside of family they might have been born into, the sort of family that people have chosen, people aren't necessarily living under the one roof. And that's what um, what people rely on and what gets them through. And uh, the flip side is it might also be tough or it must also be tough for a lot of young people in particular if you're at Mm. home and you're coming out or you're working out who you're to and your family isn't necessarily that accepting of it, your biological family isn't necessarily that accepting of it, this might be quite a tough time for mm, people. Yeah. And that's tended to be swept under the carpet a bit. And I think there's some great um, services like mental health services like Switchboard and so on who are doing really good work, but they're getting kind of overwhelmed. And that's not a reason not to call. People should still call and reach out. Like mm. Definitely at this time. But one of the things that we've got to fight for is proper support for mental health during this time for everyone because 
yes, we're all, like you said, we're all staying at home. We're all abiding by the restrictions because we know it's the right thing to do. But mm. we've got to understand it's not as easy for everyone to do it and it brings its challenges for different people. Absolutely. And we've got to find ways of making sure that everyone can stay mentally healthy and stay connected during this time as well. Mm. And, and just for anyone listening that might be going through something like that, um, if you are a young person who's, who's thinking about coming out at the moment, Minus 18 have actually released some really fantastic um, information and resources on their Facebook that you can go and have a look at um, just to sort of help and give you some advice if, you, if you're in that situation. Um, and a lot of people are sort of responding quite emotionally to the coronavirus in so many different ways. What are some of the realities of poor mental health outcomes you've come across in the response to COVID-19? Well, we've been hearing some pretty terrible stories about people who are finding it tough at the moment, not just because they might be in a difficult environment where they might be living by themselves, they might not be living with people who are necessarily that supportive of them and or even you know it's not even necessarily people being hostile we've heard stories about people in share houses living together and you know when you when you stick your hand up and say I'm going to go and live in a share house you don't imagine that you're going to be there 24 7 with them and and unable to get out but that's the environment that a lot of people have found themselves in what where I think it's been getting really tough for people is when that's compounded with something like the landlord is coming and saying we're going to evict you um, because you haven't paid the rent and you can't afford paying the rent and then when it's compounded with joblessness, when all of those things start to pile on top of each other, it's been putting people in some incredibly stressful situations. And we've been hearing stories of people who've been told by their landlord, look, I don't care that there's a six-month eviction ban in place. I've got someone who's willing to pay full rent. You're falling behind. Unless you pay your rent, then you're out next week. And that situation, those kind of situations, plus a lot of people have lost their job and aren't going to be picked up in the government support mm-hmm. packages uh, because they've been casual workers, for example, or your gig economy workers, or you're working, your work's connected with festivals. When those things add together, joblessness, housing stress, and some other mental health stresses, it's, it is starting to take its toll. And um, I would really encourage people to just continue to reach out. I think everyone in hindsight thinks it probably would have been a good idea to own shares in Zoom at this particular point yes, in time. Yeah, no yeah. one no one really imagined this, but like we're all we're all doing this and working it out together. And so yeah. like just do do reach out. Yeah. Now, speaking about health, just to have a look at the healthcare system a bit, um, with the numbers of COVID being so low in Australia at the moment, can we assume that the stress on the healthcare system is, is going to be eased a little bit? And do you think Australia's healthcare system has fared fairly well in this pandemic so far? Look, it's amazing that one of the things that's going to get us through this crisis, and it looks like we're going to get through it, provided that governments continue to act sensibly, uh, one of the things that's got us through this is the public health system. And Mm. it's amazing, again, it's the thing of like looking at the government and seeing the government doing all these things that are kind of the reverse of everything that it took to the election that they've been standing for for years. The things that are going to get us through this, like respecting science, putting human life ahead of profit, and a strong public health system are things that have been attacked for the last 20, 30 years. And it turns out they're actually the things that we need to survive and live a good life. And I think our public health system at the moment has been understrained, but is responding incredibly well. And one of the reasons that we in the Greens were strong advocates for this kind of New Zealand style, let's go hard, let's go early approach is that it has given us time because there haven't been those spikes in the the cases presenting to emergency wards and the like. It's given time to boost up 
the public health system and especially all those intensive care beds. Because if you look overseas at Italy, what we've seen in Italy is you know, health professionals having to make these terrible choices about, look, there's just not enough ventilators. Who am I going to put on a ventilator and who am I going to let die? And in this time, while we've managed to flatten the curve, the public health system has been built up. But, but and here's the but, but if we lift the foot off the brake as far as those restrictions are concerned, there's a very real risk it could be overwhelmed. So the answer to your question is that, uh, look, I'd rather be in Australia than most other countries at the moment because, in part, we've used this time to build up the public health system. But if the restrictions are eased too early, then it could become overwhelmed. And literally, at that point, then you start having to make those terrible decisions like in Italy, like have we got enough intensive care beds for people? Have we got enough ventilators? And hopefully we never get there. Do you see us in the sort of medium term being able to export some of our ventilators to countries like Italy that that are going through this really quite difficult circumstances? Look, I don't know, but but I think one of the things that this has found, and we're going to need some good reviews of all of this starting now, but certainly when it's over, is that I, I think there's a big question mark about whether Australia was properly prepared sort of say at the start of this year for this. If people didn't follow the restrictions, for example, would we have had enough ventilators here? And we've seen good stories about, you know, car parts manufacturers being retooled to start making ventilators. And that's great. But when when Parliament was still sitting before Scott Morrison cancelled it, uh, I was, the questions that I was asking of the um, health minister was like, how well prepared are we for this? Have we actually done the preparation? And we got these kind of wishy-washy answers to it. And so my answer to your question is, I want to be convinced that we've actually got enough here first because I reckon we might find out in six months' time that the government was caught a bit with its pants down on this and didn't have enough and that it's only been the scrambling that has got us to the point where we've got enough. So I'd want to know a bit more about how well prepared we are before we we start talking about things like that. And... Adam, do you think we'll see sort of any changes in what it means to be a worker in Australia once COVID ends? Will we see, for example, a working from home revolution? I think we should see some changes. I think the working from home experience has been pretty mixed for some people. Like I think some people have really liked it and others have found that it brings with it its own stresses and the difficulty of separating your home and your work environment when it's all blurred. Like for some some people that's great and other people it's the worst thing in the world and they can't yeah. do it. Um, I think though that one of the things, the revolutions in work that we are going to need though is working out what to do with so many people either not having a job or not having enough hours of work or not being well paid enough after this coming out the other side this the government's got this idea the phrase that they use about the economy is that we're in hibernation inside well yeah. you know in hibernation that's a bear that goes and puts itself to sleep according to regular cycles and then wakes up by itself like that that's not what this is this is you know, a patient that's been put into an induced coma and that's going to have to be woken up and is going to require a lot of rehab to to sort of get back on its feet. And what we know is that it's young people who've been hit the hardest and who will be hit the hardest on the work front and it'll be casuals who get hit the hardest. Mm. A lot of jobs might not be there on the other side because the businesses have gone under and not been able to survive through this period. And so how do we ensure that everyone in this country has a decent income and has the work that they want to have 
or has enough income to support them to study or reskill coming out the other side because I think it's going to be a long time before we get back onto our feet. And I think this is an opportunity to say, look, let's just not go back to the way that it was before. Like, let's find a better normal, a better normal where everyone's looked after. And so, yeah, we should look at laws that give people more flexibility to do, to work from places that suit them and work in ways that suit them and make sure flexibility is kind of a two-way street rather than just the employer being able to tell you this is what you've got to do. Um, but the, the thing that I'm really worried about is actually making sure everyone's got enough money and that we don't just see a whole stack of people like we're talking about unemployment that might get up to 10 15 percent that's probably going to be much much higher for young people we've got to make sure that there's a lot that people don't end up on the scrap heap really mm. Now, Adam, we're keen to briefly touch on a couple of other topics while we've got you. Um, one thing that I found, I feel like it was finally gaining some traction with amazing people like Greta Thunberg and everything um, prior to COVID-19, which a lot of people seem to have put on the back burner now, is climate change. Um, our current government's climate change target is, is zero emissions by 2050, uh, but the Greens have a target of zero emissions by 2030. Why do you think there's such a different goal between the two parties? Yeah, look, the climate crisis is still barreling on and the Great Barrier Reef has just bleached mm. for the third time while all of this has been happening. And parts of Antarctica that at the moment are melting at the rate that scientists thought might happen in 15 or 20 years. And as a result, they're saying, look, unless we get that under control now, we might be locking in three to four metres of sea level rise from that bit of mm. Antarctica alone during wow. the lifetime of today's primary school students. So like Jeez. we're like it's proceeding a pace and it's very, very urgent. Yeah. And we've got a government, uh, a federal government that is basically in the pockets of the big polluters. And like we know what needs to be done. And if there's anything that this current corona crisis teaches us it's that governments can spring into action and protect human life if they want to and so and the good thing about tackling the climate crisis is that you can do it without having to stay at home <laughs> like we don't have to have all these terrible isolation restrictions we could actually lead a better life if we just switched over to renewables why doesn't the government want to do it the government's just in the pockets of the big polluters why do we have such high ambition it's because according to the scientists we've got to act in the next 10 years otherwise we're going to make life much, much tougher for everyone in the future. And all of the things that we care about, the things that we've been talking about here about fighting to make society more equal, becomes much, much harder if all of a sudden everyone's fighting over food and water. And yeah. um, we lose a lot of those things that can help us make us sort of more civilised and be more equal and look after each other. So there's all sorts of reasons that we've got to fight the climate crisis. And I think mm. once we get out of this immediate threat to health, I think the laws of physics and the laws of chemistry are going to reassert themselves and people realise, oh, yeah, we've still got this climate crisis to tackle. And that's why we've been pushing for, I could guess, an exit strategy, the Green New Deal exit strategy that's going to tackle all of the crises that we're facing. Mm. Do you think people seeing how swiftly the world has responded to this COVID-19 might make people start to realise that we actually can do something? Like, Do, do you think that this could actually be a good mm. thing in, in showing people how quickly the world can respond to something? Um, yeah, look, I think it's a bit too early to talk about silver linings from this this crisis and, um, and all lessons that can be drawn because it's still uh, it's a really tough time for a lot of people and it's taking a big toll on us. But I do think that... Um, at some point, people will reflect. And I guess what, what I would say is 
Firstly, it shows that if governments care about human life and preserving human life, then they can act. And all of the things that we've been told that there's not enough money for for decades, like free education and free childcare, it turns out there actually is. Like they've opened the cupboard and that was supposedly bare and they've shown us just how much is is in there but yeah. the i guess more perhaps a bit more uh, on the uh, looking at the consequences side what one thing i would say is that if you don't you know if you didn't like the coronavirus crisis you're going to hate the climate crisis yeah um all of the things that we're seeing at the moment about not being able to do things and being kept apart from each other and the basics of life being put into question like the dial is going to be turned up to 11 with the climate crisis and um, we're going to start running out of water we're going to lose the ability to feed ourselves a lot of those basics of life are going to start uh, hitting potentially in the next couple of generations and so if there is one lesson from it i guess it's that if we want to avoid these kind of restrictions hitting hard we've got to act and we've got to act now um, and we briefly talk sometimes about homelessness in relation to LGBTI people and the higher rates they experience. Um, but could you talk to us a little bit about the reality for homeless people right now during this pandemic? Yeah, it's pretty tough. Like the mm. um, couple of weeks ago, my office helped out three women who are pregnant and currently homeless and are due to give birth without having a fixed address, a home to call their own. And now it's happening at a time of the coronavirus crisis mm. as well. And I mean, you know, just put yourself in the position of having to, mm. of having a baby while you're in crisis accommodation and you potentially have to move a week later. Um, you see those big public housing towers around yeah. Melbourne in particular. You see them in all, um, in lots of cities, but you see them in, in Melbourne in particular. Like they were all built in the 60s and 70s, mm. you know, and there hasn't been a big new build since then. And as a result, we've got 82,000 people on the waiting list in Victoria alone. And so it's a couple of hundred yeah. thousand people on the waiting list. You can be homeless and still be waiting a year or two for a place. And so, again, it's like when when the tide goes out, you realise that actually there are a lot of people who are already doing it tough and are now doing it extra tough. And one of the things that we hear, it's also especially difficult because things like food vans and the like where people used to gather and congregate, yeah. um, now you have to have social distancing requirements being put in place there as well. And so I think that one of the things that we should do coming out of this on the other side is when when we've got to get the economy back on track and when we've got to get some jobs, especially for young people, uh, we should start, I think, a housing revolution in this country and just start building a lot more public and social housing so that we get people into work, we get the economy going and we start putting a roof over people's heads again because like, no one should be you know, giving birth without a fixed address in the middle of a, of a health crisis. Like, that's yeah. just wrong. Absolutely. Now, on a matter that um, we, we talk about quite a bit on this podcast because it's quite relevant to uh, our community, we've not heard much from the government about the proposed religious discrimination bill uh, in light of the coronavirus. Do you think we're likely to see that back on the agenda anytime soon? I, I think the government is just itching to get back mm. to their normal way of acting. And the religious, the so-called religious discrimination bill, like, let's not forget, that came about because the government made a promise to some of the reactionary sections of its party during the marriage equality debate and said, OK, well, we'll allow marriage equality to go through, but don't worry, we'll come back for another attack uh, on, on equality and on people's rights at some later stage. But what they've found it difficult to do is find a way of doing that 
that still satisfies all of their own base. And if you start putting in so-called religious freedoms according to their laws, does that then mean that someone at work is able to say, oh, I'm not going to serve you, you're not welcome here because yeah. you're gay, and mm. like, and then you can't sex them because they say, oh, that's just my religion, I'm just expressing my religious views. And, of course, what that's meant is that employers and businesses have said, oh, hang on, we're not sure that we actually want that. You know, yeah. We want to be able yeah, to say yeah, this yeah. is the kind of business that we want and, and a business that's open and complies with the law. I reckon they may well have come back and have another crack at it but they're having trouble getting all of their own ducks in a row. Every draft of it that we've seen just keeps getting worse and worse. And so we will try and make sure that those provisions never see the light of day. I am worried that they may be having discussions with the opposition about a, a, a paired back version that could get through. We're going to keep our eye on that. So, yeah, I suspect at some point, if they get their ducks in a row, they'll come back and try and have another crack at it. Um, but there are a lot of ducks to get in a row and there's still a lot of hurdles and a lot of fight to be had. So I don't think by any means it's a done deal by any, by any stretch mm. of the imagination that's at all. That's good to hear. Yeah, Let's hope it doesn't get sorted before the next election. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. And I think like once people understand, that, I think generally, again, this is one of those areas where we saw with the marriage equality debate and the vote look, actually, the government was just out of step with the way that people are actually feeling. And, yeah, yeah, there might be a few uh, ideologues in the government who want to see us, you know, Australia become Gilead or whatever, but there are some wiser heads who know that that's not where the bulk of the Australian population is at. And I I don't, and I think once people realise that the the so-called religious discrimination bill means effectively giving a new right to discriminate against LGBT communities, other communities, uh, I think they might have a harder road to get it through Parliament. Adam, I have to say, it's been so great to speak to you. We're, we're both such big fans of yours. So thanks so much for coming uh, coming on. Before we let you go, I am really keen to know, um, at the next election, when we do finally get to it, if Labor wins and the Greens hold the uh, balance of power, what change are you hoping to see in Australia? Yeah, well, that's my goal. And I hope that that's, that's what happens, that we kick the government mm. out. I, I've said my goal is threefold. Kick the government out, get the Greens into balance of power, implement a Green New Deal. And when I say implement a Green New Deal, I'm talking about a government-led plan to tackle the climate crisis, tackle the inequality crisis and make Australia a more equal place. To run on renewable energy 100% and keep coal in the ground, but make sure we look after people along the way and start making Australia a place where we sell to the rest of the world the things that are going to be needed in a zero pollution society rather than selling them our coal, but also making sure that we look after everyone, that we lift unemployment benefits, um, that we build more public and social housing so that everyone has a roof over their head. We make education free again and we make sure everyone who wants a decent job has got one. And I think if we find ourselves in that position of being in balance of power, uh, we'll try and get those elements of the Green New Deal implemented. Wonderful. I mean, they sound like some pretty fantastic uh, policies. So I wish you all the luck. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And good luck to everyone. And and stay stay safe and take care. Hey, it's like there's there is going to be an after to all of this after these weird times. And so it's become pretty trite to say that we're all in this together. But it's true. We just got to make sure that we look after each other and we don't forget that on the other side. Oh, that's very lovely. You too, Adam. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So during this whole pandemic, I know a thing a lot of people are struggling all over the world is like, dating you know love finding it <laughs> keeping it losing it in some cases i guess like yeah. someone's broken up and they have to be stuck living with someone <laughs> but yeah no i thought it'd be interesting for us to talk about like what we're doing to maintain normality and kind of just keep it fresh or even for us single members <laughs> luke um <laughs> like how are you i'm so curious i was like how people are actually dating like using apps like they're like videoing stuff like mm. that I know, so I'll see um, you guys in about 40 minutes, right? When you're <laughs> talking about <laughs> your relationships. Um, I, just, I, I imagine you've worn your dildos down to a... Nubs. So with Duncan and I, because we actually, we live in separate houses. Mm-hmm. Like I've been stood down for my job, so I have a whole lot of nothing to do. Uh, but he hasn't, so he's working from home. So he tends to stay at his during the week. And I think I see him like once or twice during the week or on the weekend mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a nice little treat and we see each other i've also kind of uh we have like morning dates on my balcony which i've renamed cafe Belcon. <laughs> and we kind of just watch the neighbors go by and judge people's like crisis at home haircuts as they walk yeah. by <laughs> like, oh girl yeah <laughs> there are so many <laughs> i know when duncan and i first arrived from our holiday in south africa during like the height of everything mm. we had to self-isolate for two weeks in our individual homes so that was really tough being away from him for those two solid weeks and just kind of yeah. being locked up especially after like just being on holiday and spending like every day with him we would chat a lot online and mm. just give rundowns of each other's boring days to each other yeah i do like all these activities that are kind of encouraging people to like have more in-depth discussions and talk mm. about things like that we're doing more activities like puzzles and like these things seem really boring but they're actually kind of nicer because you're more engaged with the person you're doing them with just keep yeah. it off my timeline you know that's the thing yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> no, that, it's, that. it's yeah, lovely yeah. i love that for you that's great for you but um mm. i don't need to see your puzzle time <laughs> <laughs> also i've seen i've seen like things pop up all over there's actually like uh websites i think there's this game called wheel of foreplay have any of you heard of that no. oh my <laughs> god wheel of foreplay it's like this website right you go um it's willoforeplay.com and it's created by a future of sex lab and they've partnered with um uporn so you go on this Mm -hmm. website there's all these different categories of like what you feel comfortable with 
and you like spin a wheel and then like it comes up with like a cards against humanity kind of card thing and it's like an activity you have to do so i love that you guys won't download an app to stop you from dying but you're happy to let a website tell you how to have sex (laughs) (laughs) you're you're gonna fuck a chicken or something and uh, what are you no no i think i i was going i went on before we started recording and i I clicked on one of the cards and i think it said choose choose one of your favorite porn videos then mute it and then replace the noises for the people in the video and record it and send it to your partner. <laughs> so it's like really weird shit as well. But like, that is not weird shit for me, Kyle. Weird shit for I me know is it's not like, you. <laughs> well, where is the blood ritual? I wanted to yeah. spin and be like, you know. And wake up in Auckland or something. But, yeah. yeah. So like, do you think like during this whole time, it's encouraging mm. so many people to stay inside with their loved ones. And obviously it's causing a lot of like fiery arguments for a lot of people. Yeah. But do you think there'll be like a huge baby boom after this because so many people were encouraged to stay yes. inside and love each other? And like, that'll be like kind of like a Definite nice little... possibility. I mean, Josh and I have been having so much sex. Like <laughs> nothing else to do, but it is amazing. I'm really, really enjoying That's myself. Okay. Like we've started buying new sex toys because we're just like, how do we spice things up? Have you guys ever used one of those like um the sex sleeves like masturbator things? Oh yes, like a flashlight. It's literally just like a silicon tube thing, um, and it's just got like a hole in the middle. The one that we got has like all different sort of textures through it, so it gives you like a different oh. sensation all the way oh, through. Nice. I wanted to but, say yeah. too, like for people that are single in isolation, this is like yeah. a really tough conversation to listen to. Like it really sucks. Like you get really lonely. You get. Yeah. Yeah. incredibly incredibly lonely and grinder is like it's not popping right now and and nor should it be mm. but i'm also not like anyone who listens to the show i'm not a very long-term type of person i'm a very like two dates and you're done kind of guy which is yeah. partially your choice and partially other people's choices it's all other people's choices <laughs> so it's just like two episodes you're done kind of thing but uh the loneliness is like it kills you after a while yeah. and, and it can lead to some recklessness like even the other day i uh, i recklessly messaged out being like i think we're allowed to exercise so do you want to like jog and then realized oh no this is bending the rules of isolation mm. For my own sanity, because Mm. I was just so fucking lonely. Mm. A lot of us are suffering with like extreme depression and isolation and they're extremely Mm. alone. Uh, The apps are, you know, there are a few people on there that are still hooking up and their profiles still say like, yeah, looking now. And and yeah, I was going to say, I've had a few friends. I think it's especially hard for single people that live alone because they're not getting Mm. um, any sort of human interaction with, with uh, friends as well or housemates or anything like that. Um, I've had a few friends that have confessed to breaking isolation for hookups, which, you know, obviously isn't an ideal situation, but it almost comes down to a level of care. If they're getting to to that darker place that they need to see somebody and it's hard to judge. I mean, it's also, there's, there's also, I think space for in this conversation about the pressure that's putting on couples that might be having the opposite effect. I obviously started seeing my boyfriend just before the pandemic started and we, we are great. Everything's great. But there was a couple that like the first couple of weeks where it started getting really intense. Of course, his family were in the UK and Italy and, and I've got elderly relatives, one of who was in hospital and that sort of stuff. So we kind of really lost our sex drive for yeah. a couple of weeks there. And it was sort of a thing of like, are we, are we losing the spark? Is this the relationship? Mm-hmm. And we had a really great chat about it 
And we were like, no, this is because we are every hour discovering that the world is falling apart a little bit more and, uh, and, and had a good chat about that. But I think for any couples that might be struggling and having issues like that, it is worth having a conversation and saying, hang on a second, mm-hmm. are, we, are we putting too much pressure on ourselves to fuck while the world's falling? Um, yeah. Because it, it's fair that we're having a, a bit of a distraction right now and it's fair that we might be feeling a little bit less sexy than usual yeah. if we're watching a lot of the news and that sort of stuff. Um, and the same thing if you're fighting as well. I've had a couple of couple friends who are having these fights and they're saying, oh, uh, you know, I think it's over and stuff. And I'm saying to them, guys, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself so to much. to operate the way that you did beforehand. Like there, there is so many external things happening to your mind right now. It's understandable that you might be getting on each other's tits a little bit. You're not seeing any of your friends. You're not seeing no. any of your work colleagues. And all of the, the information that you're processing is so dark. Mm. Um, I, I relate a lot to what you just said, um, Tom. Yeah, like I, I guess we haven't, been having a whole lot of sex during mm. this time and i guess it's a lot to do with me i would say and like mm. my mental kind of space and like i mm. i feel gross i'm just like existing in my house all day doing nothing mm. like it's yeah. not like i feel the best i could be and i don't really feel like i could honestly be appealing to somebody like that so mm. it is it's a, That's weird a horrific time. thing to like hear kyle i'm so sorry yeah no it's it's all right it's just like a weird mental mind fuck but um it is yeah it's a really fucked space of your mind that you've never been in before none of us none of Mm. our no one in our generation has been in this mind frame before um and please don't beat yourself over it up over it and please don't think that you're the only person because i tell you i have not spoken to a a a friend that's in a relationship that hasn't at least had a week or two of that in this time and some of them much longer than that as well it's completely understandable that you would be having that this would have be having effects on your libido mm. and and how you feel about yourself and that sort of thing yeah it's that that thing of not having an end date because well we, it's also not everyone's known. priority and nor should it be everyone's priority right now mm. as well so mm. even outside of sex you you know I, I was you know took some time off from dating and and met some very nice people and started to develop some relationships there but they've all sort of had to be put on hold mm. for the time yeah. being and also we a lot of us have a lot of very pressing shit and and our lives are scattering out that it uh, isn't necessarily a huge priority in everyone's list in terms of maintaining that momentum of the the dating mm. pre-covid so it, it's it's been a bit weird and, and rough, and it's not the easiest thing to yeah. navigate. Um, pornography is always there, which is mm. um, one you know sweet sweet release. And failing that, you know, apply for a dating show. <laughs> it's also a hard time to let anyone new into your life right now. Yes, because you're, you're not really feeling like the best you. <laughs> you a lot of people, yeah, not feeling like the best versions of themselves, and so many of our friends and family are struggling that were kind of at least for me i'm you know doing these check-ins with multiple people throughout my life and they're checking in with me the space to invite someone new into that even in that sense of a non-sexual you know a deeper communicative kind of nice thing there's not a whole lot of capacity for that for a lot of people i feel Mm. so it it, the, the single single game is not it ain't animal crossing it ain't it ain't it ain't it ain't it right now, sis. A lot of people as well. Like we talked a little bit about it, like financial struggle. Mm. It's something that's sort of been playing on my mind quite a bit. Being on settling payments, you don't get a heck of a lot. Like we are going to be getting more money soon, which is great. Um, but it's definitely been an issue for 
myself in my relationship with Josh, just because I've always been so financially stable. Last week when I got my payment, uh, literally three quarters of it went straight to rent and I maybe had a hundred dollars left. And I was just like feeling so shitty. Mm -hmm. Josh was like, what's wrong? What's going on? And I was just like, look, I've got a hundred bucks for two weeks. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's just like, look, it's fine. Like, I've got enough money. Yeah. And, like, I would do that for him anytime whatsoever. But for some reason, in my mind, it was like a failure to allow myself to rely on someone else. Oh, sweetheart. Being so financially vulnerable, I didn't realize that I was so scared of it. Mm. Growing up, we didn't have a lot of money whatsoever. And, like, watching my mom over the last few years, because she is a very unwell person. She relies a lot on my stepdad, and that puts so much stress on that relationship. And, mm-hmm. like, I just don't want to get to that point where that affects our relationship. Oh, mm-hmm. babe. And it just put me in a really, like, fearful position that I was just like, oh, my God. Like, and mm-hmm. I know that that's not going to, and we've spoken about it now, and, like, it's all good. But I didn't realize how scared I was and, like, how much this has played on my mental health in recent oh, times. Mm-hmm. And this is the fucked thing about this disease because, like, you've worked so hard to be really good at what you do and yeah. you work so hard in your job to make sure that you can, you know, live a life that you live in and you've had that for so long and how this is so not your fault and it's yeah. so unfair that yeah. you've now got this additional pressure after you've worked so hard to have to be fully qualified and very good at what you do to for, for the world to just turn around and fuck you over and and leave you like this. So I can totally understand why that is a pressure on you and why you're stressing about it, especially given your life experience with it. But babe, I mean, there's nothing that you have done that makes this your fault, and and Josh would know that, and and that's why there is things there to help you out. Unfortunately, it's not a huge amount of money, but that's no. why it's there, and there is absolutely no shame whatsoever in, in getting that help from the government. And uh, and that applies to people getting the help during this pandemic and outside of this pandemic. That is what it's there for. It's to help people. And babe, you are a beautiful, strong human being, independent human being that's going through a shit time at the moment through no fault of themselves. So please don't beat yourself up, Pope Road. Thank you, Tom. I wish I could give you a physical (laughs) hug right now, but I'm giving you a virtual hug, I promise. Thank you. I wish I could hug you all. Sweetheart. I wish I could hug you all as well. (laughs) Give Luke a firm handshake. Ah! Well, that's brought us to the end of another COVID-19 special of uh, The Gays Revolting. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Of course, huge thank you to Adam Bant. I mean, yeah. what an absolute legend. If you don't know much about his policies and, and stuff, go and check him out because he's absolutely amazing. And we got a whole after show coming up for anyone who is a patron of our show, which you can subscribe su- subscribe to at patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod. And if there wasn't enough fucking in this episode, <laughs> in our after show tonight, we're going to talk about the wonderful world of Zoom. I, I know everyone's using Zoom at the moment for multiple purposes, but how uh, queer culture repurpose it for clubbing and sex parties or mm. other other things. So it's going to be a fun little chat. Groovy cool. Can't wait. And we'll see you then. Bye. 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 Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.